Thanks for joining us at First Baptist of Woodlawn. Our mission at Woodlawn is to grow, serve, and reach others together. Our vision at Woodlawn is to impact our regional communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ through small groups, corporate worship and missions, and evangelism. Now, today's sermon. So great to see you all here this morning. I hope that you have come with a sense of expectation about being in God's house uh, today. And uh, just a, a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, what an honor it is for, for Tina and me to uh, be named your pastor and to be here with you all to get to uh, learn your names and your faces and, and just to be a part of what God is doing here at First Baptist Church Woodlawn. It's, it truly is a, an honor for us. And so in saying that, it's, it might take a little while to learn uh, names to go along with with faces and so forth and you know last week I made I don't know if I call it a mistake or not but I made a point of saying that I don't own anything camo never have uh, and I never planned to own anything camo until this morning when Jessica and Brittany uh, gave me And I will wear it proudly, I must say, <laughs> as well. So, uh, so thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. And also, a very special thank you from uh, the preschool kids. Uh, I got to the church earlier this week, and I saw all these on my desk just welcoming us to Woodlawn. Just welcome to Woodlawn, welcome to Woodlawn with the preschool kids. And so I'm just so thankful to that. I want you to give those kids a round of applause. We have been made to feel so welcome, and we already uh, love you, and, uh, and my heart is full this morning because of such wonderful worship this morning. Praise team, thank you for, for leading us in, in worship, not just singing, not just playing, but worshiping. And this message is very timely this morning. Why do we worship? And I look forward to bringing this four-week series uh, to you. But again, uh, before we get into the message, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention there's a little bit of a, a game going on tonight, I think in Miami. Um, so I don't know, uh, Chiefs fans in the house? Chiefs fans, I know we got, we got the fields. Chiefs, Niners? Who's the Niners? Really? Seriously? All right, okay. All right. Well, I hope your team wins. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm pulling for the Chiefs. Don't really have a dog in the hunt, but I guess I'll I'll pull for the pull for the Chiefs. I like I like their quarterback. So, and also on this day, kind of strange. Today is o two o two two o two o, which will never happen again, like in forever. So I don't know, but I just thought that was that was kind of strange. So, all right, um, open your Bibles if you will this morning to John chapter four verses 23 and 24. Why do we worship? And I come from a, a worship background, and so just over that time, I believe God has given me uh, some, some insights, and, um, but it's not my insights. It's what the Holy Spirit has done in me, and, and I, I, love, I love what, what we have experienced here this morning. We have experienced true worship this morning. There were a couple of times where I had to, I had to stop singing 
because the Holy Spirit was moving on me in such a way that I couldn't, I couldn't sing. I just had to bask in it for, for a little while. That is worship. And, you know, I'm, my back is to you for the most part, so I don't know really what's going on behind us. But if you, if you were not moved by worship this morning, then I pray that this message is for you as we move forward. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's word together this morning. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your presence here with us in this place today already. And Lord, I pray that the words that I speak would be your words from your heart to your people, that we would understand why we worship more and more, that we would enjoy the presence of God in our lives and that our love for you will overflow in an expression of worship. So Lord, have your way today as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I think all of us have some habits in our lives, right? If I were, if, you know, if I were uh, to say, uh, Mark, what's, what's one of your habits? Don't, please don't answer because then we might all be embarrassed. But, but if I were to generally say, what are some of the habits of your life? I'm assuming that some of those habits uh, would include uh, brushing your teeth every day. Good habit, right? That's a good habit to get into. Uh, I don't think any of us would even take a trip to uh, the, the gas station down the street without even brushing our teeth before, before we did that. Um, showering on a daily basis, changing your underwear, now that's a good habit that we learn very early in our life, uh, and hopefully we carry that through the end of our lives. Um, uh, a cup of coffee in the morning, some of us might uh, look at Facebook first thing or Instagram, do some morning reading very first thing. So are all habits bad? Uh, well, no, not all habits are bad. Um, as a course of habit, Tina and I, in, in the morning when we wake up, we go our, our separate ways for our personal devotion time. She usually stays uh, in the bedroom. I go to my little office area. We kind of we have our, our times uh, separately together that way. So we tend to make a, hab- a habit out of the things that we enjoy the most and what brings us comfort, right? We wouldn't do it on a regular basis if it didn't bring us uh, comfort or some level of happiness. Some habits um, are out of necessity or they are to take proper care of ourselves. Uh, shaving, eating, exercising, those are good habits. That would be a good idea. Uh, kissing your spouse in the morning and at night and lots of times in between, you know, that's, that's a great habit. Um, some people like to make phone calls. They call their, their parents. They call their kids or, or a special friend on a, a certain day of the week. That's, that's a good habit uh, to get into. And uh, I'm not going to get into bad habits at all. If you have a bad habit, I'm sure you know about it. And so I don't think I need to go through a list of what bad habits that uh, we might have. But habits are something that we do 
um, really without thinking too much. Um, again, Tina hates it when I make her a point of, of anything in a, in a sermon, but you know, she's going to have her coffee in the morning no matter what. You know? So it's not, a, it's not a question of if the coffee is going to get made, but it's, but it's, it's going to get made. At the, in the morning, and then when she gets home from work, she's going to have uh, coffee both those times, and there's really no question about it. And so, and that's a habit that she probably wishes she doesn't have, but it's just a given. So, here's my question for you this morning: Why don't most people feel that way about worship? <laughs> I have no idea either. Uh, I, but I tell you what, I'm so glad this morning I just heard the voices behind me just fill the room this morning. And so, so I'm filled with, with, with joy and gladness and with, with satisfaction this morning because of the level of worship that was in this place. Yet so many people don't feel about worship the way they do about some of their everyday things. Why is it that when we come to church, that so many people just, they go through the motions of worship. So many people would just take for granted the, the 12 or 15 minutes that we spend worshiping with these songs when we know that the praise team has spent all this time and preparation for this time. What you see as 12 or 15 minutes, there's been hours of work that goes in to this. So, for the most part, there are so many people, and maybe you fit into this category this morning, that we don't truly know what true worship is. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, she didn't truly understand worship. In verse 23, Jesus says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father, for the Father, is seeking such people to worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So, so scripture makes it clear for us this morning that when it comes to worship, all that we're required to do is to do it in spirit and truth. That's the key. And that, that sounds pretty abstract, I know, when I say, well, we have to worship, and we need to do it in spirit and in truth. Well, what, do, what does that mean? And that's, this is the way I like to preach. I'll bring things to you, and we answer, we answer those questions. What does Scripture mean? So if I say that we're going to worship in spirit and in truth this morning, oh, great, well, what does it mean? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning because Scripture tends to be full of abstract teachings like that, and, and the truths, uh, we need to un unpack what Scripture talks about. And so before I even go any further in unpacking it, to worship in spirit and in truth, it, it needs to be caught and not taught. You can teach somewhat on worship, but until you experience, until you witness it and catch it, it just isn't the same. A good example is um, for a teacher or, or a coach, I'll include coaches in this as well. There's nothing more satisfying than when a student or a, play or a player finally gets it. You know what I mean? Well, you, can, you can teach them and you can say, no, it's, it's this way, this is what that means, but until they get it, well, it can be, it can be so exciting for, for a teacher or a coach because it's not simply head knowledge anymore, 
But it's that, it's that aha moment that we get. It's, oh, okay, I get it, I see. That is a wonderful time for, for a teacher or somebody, anybody that's in a leadership position that is, that is teaching. The light comes on and application meets knowledge. So what that means is that I can, I can stand up here and, and teach about worship until, until I can't talk anymore. But until it's modeled, until it's acted upon, it's just head knowledge. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, folks, worship has been modeled for us in this place. This team up here this morning was full of, of worship. Their expression of worship, it came from a, a place of joy and overflow in their lives. And we witnessed that today. And for some of you, it might be, it might be that aha moment that, that maybe you were waiting for or, or might, maybe not even looking for, but you experienced this morning. Because worship is, it's, it's an intentional act. It's an intentional act of, of giving or expressing back to God because of the love that he has given to you. He's forgiven you. He has shed his, his love. The light of Christ has come, and we, are, we have passed from death unto, unto life, from darkness to light. When we experience this greatness of God, Ephesians said it's because of his great love for us that he died for us. So we need this aha moment for what he has done because I'm, I've, I've been there I've sat in church before, stale. I've sat in church before, calloused, taking for granted the things that God has done. I'll tell on myself, um, this was several years ago, probably 25 years ago or so, we were involved in a church uh, in town, and, and uh, you know, we were younger, our kids were little, and, and uh, we got into a fight on the way to, well, let's call it a fight, we won't call it a fight, we got into some intense fellowship on the way to church, okay, and um, and so we were we were mad walking into church. You, you've been there, you know what it's like. I guess you have, and uh, so <laughs> and so we were we were sitting there singing, just mad. We were standing. I had my hands on the chair in front of me, you know. We were bringing, we bring the sacrifice of praise, you know, it was 25 years ago. So you remember what worship music was like 25 years ago. And so here I was, just as mad as I could be, singing, we bring the sacrifice of praise. And I was a liar. I was a liar because my heart wasn't in it. I was was saying words I I didn't mean. And the Holy Spirit just gave me a nudge. In his grace, in his marvelous, wonderful grace, he just nudged me, and he said, do you see what you're doing? Do you hear what you are singing? And it just made me smile, you know, it just made me smile. I realized what kind of hypocrite I was, singing the song of bringing sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, yet I was not filled with, with praise or thanksgiving at all. But that's, the work of the Holy Spirit does that in us, and I'm so, I'm so grateful. Our worship is centered around what? Our worship is centered around the good news of the gospel. And our expression of worship, it should well up inside of us in thanksgiving to the God who has so richly poured out his mercy and grace to us. But by and large, by and large, very few people, very few of God's people participate 
in singing. So let's unpack it this morning. Let's unpack what it means to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because Jesus said that God is spirit and that we must worship him in spirit and truth. Now there's a little, there's a little word tucked in in that passage. The word must. That those, those who know him, those who follow him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's an absolute. When a parent says, before you play games or before you do whatever, you must finish your homework. You must take out the trash. You must do. That's an absolute for us parents. You know, there's no getting around it. So that's what, what Jesus is looking for. That's what God is looking for, that those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's the acceptable worship, and there's no other way to worship him. It's a requirement according to Jesus, that we worship him in spirit and in truth. And those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, he identifies those people in the scripture. Those who worship him in spirit and in truth, he calls them the true worshipers. And true worshipers, another question for you, are true worshipers only those who raise their hands and wave their arms during a song? I think you know the answer to that. Worship is a personal expression. Worship is, uh, it's it's very individualistic. I know some people that can sit on their hands and yet just be in the presence of God. And I know others who express their their worship of God in more demonstrative ways. It's a personal expression of of love and humility and, and thanksgiving to God. Some you know, some people do it with, with hands raised. You know, some people will do it. If you've, if you've seen the Tim Hawkins video, you know, the different ways to worship God, you know, you got the carrying the TV, you know, like this and the hand wavers. And, and, uh, but, it's, but it's true. There are different expressions of worship. Um, in their expression of worship, some people fall to their knees. Some people fl- fall flat on their face. I've heard an expression one time, and I, I believe it with, with all my heart, is that, if I can get it right, uh, the, way, the way to God is, is, is through the floor. It's something like that. It's not climbing higher. The way to God is, is through the floor. It's, it's humility. It's, it's, it's face down in, in worship to God and humility and thanksgiving. We have very diverse methods of worship. So there is no, there's no requirement on how it is to be expressed. None. This is, this is all what the woman at the well was asking Jesus about. This is about their, their conversation that they had. But there's no requirement of, of how worship is expressed the only requirement that Jesus gives is that, is that we do worship God and that we do so in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit refers to an, an inward expression of worship. Worshiping in spirit is an inward expression of worship. The Jews were all about the outward expression. 
for being, they wanted to be seen in, in the synagogues. They wanted the, the, the men of the area, they wanted people to, to see them in their outward expression. That's, they were very proud that way. Jesus and the woman were having this conversation. And the woman said, you Jews believe that you are to worship on that mountain, but we, we worship on, on this mountain. Well, Jesus has come to obliterate that idea. Jesus said that we no longer have specific places for worship, but, but wherever we are, at home, at work, in the field, in prison, we can enter the presence of God and be drawn into his heavenly sanctuary by faith. This is an anointed house of God. This room, it's anointed. When we come together, we come together in unity and we worship the one God. We worship the God who has done all things and created all things for us. We come to this place and we worship together. It's a very special place, but this is not the only place where where worship happens. You don't have to go to a place anymore like the, the woman at the well thought, we worship God anywhere because all things are God's and everywhere we go is God's. And outward expressions such as raising our hands or dancing doesn't necessarily mean that an inward work of the Holy Spirit is going on. Get that? Just because there's an expression doesn't mean that something's going on in here. But that's not for me to judge, necessarily. But a sincere inner expression of worship. Hear this. A sincere inner work of worship will express itself in some sort of outward expression whether that's carrying the TV, whether it's, whether it's hands raised, whether it's some people rock back and forth a little bit, whatever that expression is, it's because of a work that is going on in the heart of someone. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I saw it this morning. I saw it happening this morning. Some people experience the presence of God so strongly that they can't even stand. Sometimes they have to go to their knees because the power of God is on them in such a way that they just need to bow. With thanksgiving, people sometimes will will raise their hands many times in worship. And if you think about it, what does raising our hands mean? Sometimes it's an acknowledgement. Sometimes it's an act of surrender. I surrender, God. What's the first thing somebody does when a gun gets pulled on them? I surrender, right? When the God of the universe, when he expresses his love for you and me and he draws us, that's, that's, that's the point I want to make to you here too. We don't enter in without being drawn. Can I make that just strongly? God draws us into his presence because of his love for us, because of his amazing grace, 
He draws us. It's a drawing. So when you feel compelled to worship God because of just something that he has done in your life, whatever. I mean, maybe your kid may have finally got a good grade on a test that you've been praying for for forever. You know, that's, that's reason to, to celebrate. Whatever God does in your life to draw you into his presence, oh, that is such a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Don't, don't fight it. Don't lay it aside. But welcome it and worship God in whatever expression you, you choose. When you're by yourself, shout. When you're by yourself, raise your hands. When you're by yourself, fall to your knees. Whatever your expression of worship is to God, just let him have his way in you in worship. Can I just tell you something? When I'm, I've been here two weeks now working, and when I'm here by myself, I walk, the, I walk this place. I walk it and I pray. And I don't know everybody's name yet, but I pray mentioning those that I do know by name. And when I pray, I'm not a shouter. I don't shout. It's not, not, necess- it's not my nature. So mine are kind of whispers. So I just pray and I, and I whisper and I walk, walk the aisles here through the, through the classrooms and the hall. And it's, and I love what comes over me, just a feeling of, of thanksgiving for what God is doing here. And, and, and you all have already become so, so precious to us, but there's so many that we still don't know. We're getting to know uh, personalities. We're getting to know people um, better and better. And I thank you for your patience in that. But there's, I get overwhelmed. I'm going to tell you, I get overwhelmed when I think of what God wants to do here and our unity our unity is so important that as we move forward that we understand these things and be in in unity not not expressing opinions or holding to an opinion but seeking God and what does he want for First Baptist Church Woodlawn and the power of God will come upon us when we are in unity when the in the second chapter of Acts, or first chapter of Acts, too, uh, when the believers were in the upper room, they waited, and they waited, and they waited. They didn't know. They didn't know how long they were going to wait. Jesus said, just go. Go back to Jerusalem and, and tarry. Just wait. And so they went, and we can, we can surmise by dates and so on that they were together six or seven days in that place together. And Jesus said, just go and wait, and the Comforter, the Helper, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And you will receive boldness to be my witness. So what does Scripture say? They were together in unity in one place. So... Who knows what their conversations were? Can you imagine six or seven days together and what the conversations might have been like getting there for maybe the first time? And, well, what, what did Jesus say? What did he mean? We're, we're here. We're here. What are we supposed to wait on? And so many times we are the same way. We get kind of impatient when God says, go someplace or, or wait. 
They waited six or seven days. And it wasn't until they were in unity, that they were together in heart and in mind, that the Holy Spirit came and he breathed on them. He birthed the church. And then, of course, Peter stands up. Finally, Peter, doing something right, stands up, filled with the Holy Spirit. He gives that first sermon, and 3,000 come to Christ, and nothing was ever the same. Unity. Unity. It's so important for this church going forward. From right now, going forward, unity. That was free. (laughs) So worshiping God in spirit is that inner work. It's an inner work that comes out and is expressed in some sort of fashion, whatever that might be in your life. To worship God in truth, to worship God in truth refers to, to worshiping according to his ordinances. Scripture. To worship God in truth means that we line up with the word of God so that our worship is pleasing to him. Now the Samaritans, the woman from Samaria, they, the Samaritans also had a form of worship, but it was false. It had no scriptural basis. It had no authority. So they were carrying out ordinances of their own invention. Their religion and their worship was not God-centered. This is where we need to be careful. Because you and I, we are very quick to adhere to traditions of man, whether that's old or whether that's new, it doesn't matter. We tend to want what we want. We can easily fall into uh, uh, the trap of worshiping a method. We can fall in love with worshiping a, a worship style. And in the process, we can neglect authentic scriptural worship. By telling the woman at the well that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth, Jesus was rebuking the Jews and the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Because the Jews, their worship was was about uh, an outward form only. With no sincerity, no no substance. And the Samaritans' form of worship, it it was false because it was not based on the God of Scripture. But now that Jesus had come, it was was possible now for all people to draw near to God in true and sincere worship. And he told the woman at the well that God is seeking those who will worship him in this way. This is what God is looking for, folks. God is looking for you and for me to worship him in spirit and in truth, to allow him to do that inner work in our lives so that it is expressed in a way that is is just wonderful and glorious because of what he has done. And in the way that we do so, lines up with scripture, knowing who he is, the God of 
all things. The one who sent his son to die for us so that we may be restored to a holy God. Even though we were black with sin, we were dead in our sin, Jesus came at just the right time and he laid down his life for you and for me so that we might have life everlasting and that our dead lives may be alive again and restored to a holy God who we were separated from. Amen? Amen. So my question for you this morning, can you say that you worship God in spirit and in truth? And another question is, will you worship God in spirit and in truth? And I will say this boldly to the members of this church and to all that might be listening today. The powerful move of God that is coming. Let me say that again. The powerful move of God that is coming starts in the hearts of those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm looking for a powerful move of God. I'm, I'm happy for what I have experienced even, even up to this point. I want to be on this journey with God because, listen folks, his ways are not my ways. And in the time in my life where I feel like I've got God figured out, well, I'm in for a rude awakening. I want to be, you'll hear me say this hopefully a lot, I want to be filled with wonder when I think of God. When I open God's word and study, I want to be filled with wonder because of his goodness, because of his majesty. And when I experience that goodness, when I experience that in my whatever time it is, whether I'm walking the, the, the floors of this church or whether I'm at home in my own time or if I'm listening to uh, whatever radio station that is that comes that way, that in, I hear the, the music and I, I get into a place and I can hear a song for a hundred times. I can read John 3.16 a thousand times and something else will hit me that I haven't seen of God before. And I said, oh, Lord, let that wonder of your word just continue to, to grasp me and draw me in for more revelation, deeper revelation of who God is. I started saying a prayer a few weeks ago. I was on a prayer walk at home around our neighborhood. And I started saying, Lord, more of you and less of me. That's a good prayer, right? More of you and less of me. Well, I got convicted of that. And I, I so said, oh, okay, God, all of you and none of me. Lord, all of you. And don't let there be any of myself in me. Holy Spirit, flood me in a way that all of Brian is just, is just flooded out. All of you, God, and none of me. And my hope and my expectation is that your coming to this place on Sunday mornings will be more than just filling and warming a pew for 60 minutes. I think you want more than that as well. I know that. I'm praying for renewal in you. 
I'm praying that your life, where you are, is renewed. Renewal comes from renewing our mind, the Word of God, in our minds, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us to be renewed and that we would get into a habit, let's call it a habit, of worshiping him, that be, to be thankful and expressing that in a way that, that lines up with Scripture because he is spirit and he is truth. I'm praying that this church will be ignited even more with hearts of radical obedience and those with hearts turn toward him in true worship. And all that you have to say to God is, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Yes, Lord, I'm willing. Show me how to worship you in spirit and truth. And he will begin in his faithfulness. He will begin to move in your life in powerful ways. So the next move on on your part is then trust and obedience. Trust and obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. There's no other way. Trust in Him and obedience. Let's the praise team to come up. And as we prepare to sing our, our closing song, I, I want this to be a time for you, where you are, to tell God what your intentions are concerning worship. If you truly desire to worship Him in spirit and in truth today, just simply tell Him. Tell Him. And then as we sing, sing with your whole heart. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to know more about our relationship with Jesus or more about our church at Woodlawn, please contact us by email at info at fbcwoodlawn.org. Please join us again next week for another sermon from First Baptist of Woodlawn.